Welcome back to Don't Cut a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. <sighs> Deep breaths, Dan, mm-hmm. because we have finished Lightbringer, mm. the the sixth book, the penultimate in book. the the penultimate book uh, for now, at least in the in the Red Rising series. <laughs> um, oh, I I guess. I, I, okay, I don't think I'm ready to jump into it yet. So, uh-huh. so you got you have a warm up for me. I'll, I'll get us warmed up, Luke. I'll get us warmed up because I've got a problem. I've got a problem. Um, I recently started a new job. I'm teaching. Congrats! Thank you. Um, and I have a little bit of a workplace dispute that I'm trying to figure out how to settle here. And it's not. It's Ooh. it's under the surface. It's a cold war, you could say. But it's so cold that okay. the my opponent doesn't really know I'm. I'm at war with her. Um, okay, hopefully, hopefully she doesn't listen to the to the pod. Oh, well, hopefully she does, but <laughs> right. But hopefully takes this as an anonymous request to change her behavior. So here's the deal: <laughs> I my office is like through another room where the like secretary of the department works, um, and so I have to like I like walk through kind of her area to get to my office mm-hmm. now. Uh, this person who works here, she smokes, which is okay, mm. does bring some drawbacks uh, in that her office smells like cigarette smoke, and she takes her smoke breaks, like, right outside the door of the building. Ooh. Um, and so first off, it's against the rules. So not to be a rule stickler, but that is against the <laughs> rules. I'm sorry, but you have to go away from the entrances of the buildings. And second off, it just like kind of makes the entryway smell like smoke. And like there's a lot yeah. of smoke that's in the building for like an hour after she has her smoke break. Um, mm. So I'm trying to figure out how to get her to not do that anymore. Without sounding like a total weenie, you know what I mean. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, okay, so first off, I want to say I don't think you would come off as a weenie because I think that people, I nobody likes smelling cigarette smoke. Okay, fair. fair. Um, but before we get there, I want to ask you: Are you the only one that has to? to go through yes this? yes i am ah so you so you can't have teammates i've got no teammates man okay she also like i i should make this clear she is very kind super nice lady like we don't have <laughs> i talk about this like a war we have no beef aside from the fact that i don't like smelling <laughs> cigarette smoke when i go to work that's like <laughs> it. she's super nice very friendly um <laughs> everyone in the department like appreciates the work she does i appreciate the work she does she's been there longer than me substantially so like you know i'm coming into a situation without much power here i've got no soft power in this situation right okay okay um okay so i'm gonna skip by the no fun answers which would be like kindly ask her to stop (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Because that's lame, obviously. Um, can I tell you, while you're thinking, can I tell you what I have tried and felt very yeah. bad about? Oh, so you've already you've already give this, given this a shot. I've given this a first pass. So on our orientation, okay. we're talking with HR, and they're talking about the policy on campus, and they're talking about the tobacco policy. And I was like, hey, so if, you know if somebody is violating this policy, like what's the deal? Like, what do we do about that? Just kind of casually, like let's hypothetically say somebody's violating the not smoking within like 15 feet of a doorway or whatever. Like, what do we do about that? And she was like the HR, the woman leading the HR meeting was like, well, I mean, we could put up some more signs about it. Some of some entrances (laughs) don't have signs about it. And I was like, I was like, okay, cool. So nothing. Got it. Got it. Got it. Very good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's not, that's not super helpful. Um, so 
have you have you thought about getting one of those <laughs> did you hear that <laughs> i think i think i should just toot it a little bit so i'm dealing with my own issues here um <laughs> a smell of a different kind a smell from a different hole you could say that's right if we leave this in astrid is, is my dog um <laughs> not his grandmother okay. <laughs> so uh i think that there's a, there's a few options uh, the the one category I'm starting with mm-hmm. is a big show about like smell remediation, right? So Ooh. get one of those uh, like what I don't know what they're called like smeller smell spray things. Okay, yes, whatever. Yes, like a deodorizing spray or something, an air freshener. Whatever. Okay, and just like do a loop around. Just constant spray. The outside around. of the building? You're talking about no, going no, around the whole inside. outside? Okay, inside, yeah. Go around your office, out, around her office, and then back into your oh, office for oh. one continuous spray. That feels terrible to me. <laughs> That's worse. That feels worse to me than if I just asked her to not. <laughs> the other thing is just get like, um, sh- like you know those like charcoal bags? Mm. What? Hold on now. They're like deodorizers. It's like a little charcoal. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be a bag, but like. Okay, I'm not familiar with this, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Just get like a bunch of those and make like. Like a wall. You're saying build the wall. Very obvious things. Yeah. Instead of getting a bunch, do you think I could just get briquettes? Like some Kingsford briquettes? And just leave. I think I would send a message for sure. Leave a pile. Leave a pile on the floor. <laughs> I think you do that. And then when she asks what, what they are, you can be like, oh, it's, you know, to deodorize. Yeah, good. I love that. I love that. Um, here, I'm going passive aggressive. I don't like that I have to be the one to deliver this bad news, though. So I, I liked your idea of when you started talking about deodorizing spray, I want to hire some people off of craigslist like some actors who need work off of craigslist and have them come in and do a fake like building deodorizing and be talking loudly the whole time that like yeah somebody's been smoking too close to the doors because it just pulls it in we got to deodorize the whole building and have them go around with like a fake spray bottle with just like water in it and like spend spend like four or five (laughs) hours through the day just like (laughs) <laughs> taking a, taking a, maybe I let them borrow an XRF or something, some high tech piece of equipment, and they're going around just like <laughs> scanning it and beeping on stuff and spraying it and making a report and having a whole show of it. And then I don't have to be the one to say, hey, it's causing a stink in here because they'll yeah. do the work for me. Like the word will get out. And it seems like yeah. it's a part of like maintenance or something. Like you know what I mean? Like it's this is a college wide issue. This isn't a me issue anymore. Okay, this is this is a this is an interesting approach because I think that you're threading a needle here where like the idea of like getting someone else to do this mm-hmm. is is a bit of a weenie move. <laughs> however, yes. however, yes. the way that you the way this particular method um doesn't really reflect on you unless like somehow you know the story of how like these actors gets out right because like the ultimate weenie move would be like having the director yes come talk to her correct so obviously you're not going to do that never would do that no so if we're looking for if we're looking for outside help Mm -hmm. that can so that you don't have to be directly involved i do like that idea now um, it's a little bit more creative than just the the having someone come by and be like, "Oh, it smells bad in here." Yes, yes, and I will say that there is a huge risk to it getting back to me, so I've got to pay these actors handsomely, so no one else can pay them off right. to get. You know, I've got right. to pay them the fee that's also the silence fee. It's not just hey, pretend to do this. It's like, and also here's a little extra for your trouble. You never saw me, so this yeah. is going to be a yeah. steep. This is going to be a costly endeavor, I think. Right, especially especially if you're going. What, what are you thinking? Two, three actors? It's gonna okay. 
it's it's all you always have to have two because there's always two guys that come out to solve a problem, right? Right. It's always got to be at least two. They have to be able to talk to each other. Yes. Yes. And I feel like if you, I want to go three because I need to have like a head foreman out here that's like coordinating the effort. Right, right. Right. So there's two grunts and then a foreman who is just like, yeah, this problem, I needed to come out personally for this because, oh boy. So, so like the first two come and then they're like, oh, it's much worse than we thought. Let's call our boss. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. They have to call the I see. the head cheese out. And <laughs> yeah. And that makes them seem more official too, right? Right. And then, and then that they can on the phone with their foreman be like we're gonna have to be here all day spraying (laughs) mitigating mitigating yeah i gotta teach them the words i gotta give them the right words i'll come up with a script and i mean yeah good i like that i i think that's your move um and and i i hope i hope it works out for you i want to hear more about it uh yeah i'll for sure update you all about this process and how it's how it's going throughout the the year throughout the year <laughs> it's going to be an extended process for sure <laughs> the entirety of dan's uh <laughs> signing bonus is spent on this <laughs> yeah i get a signing bonus that's a thing of course of course you do the job market's strong dan oh yeah okay let's <laughs> let's talk let's talk about the book mm-hmm. um Lightbringer. uh okay so this is going to be a special episode. Dan doesn't know this yet um, because it's going to be an hour of um, me screaming. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. All right. I have to say I'm excited for a section we're going to get to at the end of this book, but I don't want to get there just yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. I'm not going to actually do that. I'm assuming people know what I'm talking about considering... Uh, where I have, which characters I have professed my love for, oh. um, in the past. So Luke, but, but yeah, let's let's hold off. On we that. will get there. I will. I I also want to say, Luke, you are kind of a grim reaper of characters. I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> um, I I want to start with with something here that's been present throughout this series, and I want to look at it with fresh eyes because upon finishing this series. It's had a lot of consequences, and I don't think I don't think it's fair. And here's what I'm talking about. Darrow, in order to get out of the rim and like to get them off his back, gives up the sons of Ares who are out in the rim. Mm-hmm. And everyone hates him for doing this. I think that this is sort of like purely context dependent and unfair to be this angry at Darrow for. Because it Mm. wasn't like he just gave them up for nothing. Like he gave them up to gain something. And so imagine a case, imagine a situation where instead of this, Darrow gathered the sons of Ares and was like, we got to do this one big fight for the core to like get this. Otherwise our revolution is dead. We have to do this big fight. And they were like, yep, we're in this for the dream. Let's do the fight. And they all die in the fight. They're just casualties, right? These are just casualties to get something else. Right. So, sure, they didn't get to die fighting in the way that people on a battlefield do, but, like, they're still part of that victory that Darrow won. Like, it feels like everyone imagines them as just wasted, like Darrow just wasted them for nothing, when that's totally not the case. Like, they were a part of that victory. Like, they were a part of that negotiation. Right. I mean, I, I think there's a pretty, like, convincing argument to be made that without this with without this action, like, the rising doesn't succeed. Yes. Yeah. I, I, um, because this was Darrow's best option, right? It's not like Darrow was just like, yeah, I don't really care about them. Whatever. You can have them as a bonus. Darrow is like always making a calculation and doing what he thinks is right. So uh, I, I just, I feel like it's so unfair. I get it that they're, they didn't get to die in a cool battle, but like, 
Darrow, like they were still a part of the victory. It feels like it takes the victory away from them to say like, oh, they were just wasted when like they contributed to it as well, just in a different way. Right. I mean, okay. I think the way that you started this was good about it being like context dependent because like you're right that um, like their deaths contributed um like super strongly and also when we get to the actual numbers like i like per capita like pretty strong contribution because the 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 deaths like compared to other conflicts that we've seen (laughs) are like really low yeah compared to mercury let's talk about how people don't hate darrow for (laughs) mercury right (laughs) right um Granted, okay, some people do, but it's not the same thing. It's not nearly the same thing as this. Right. So, I mean, okay, I do think there's the, like, symbolism here, which is, like, Darrow effectively, or at least in their eyes, making a distinction between the Reds of the core and the Reds of the... uh, of the Rim, or, Uh or even, I guess, just the low colors, which... I think is part of his big speech, right? Where he's like, I shouldn't have considered us separate. Um, and so I think there's a little bit of like the action itself is not necessarily the worst thing, mm. but Darrow and even like other leaders like didn't do the, f- didn't like frame it in a good way. Like I, I so like I feel like Darrow did this, and then was like, "I'm not gonna worry about it," which is very understandable mm. considering the context. Like I don't think he has like the brain space to be like, "How do I like communicate and frame this like sacrifice that they've made so that like in ten years I don't I'm not hated." Like yeah. I I don't think they had the capacity at the time. Right. Right. Well, but I do think that like like if he had, you know, made some big deal about it and like, you know these are all like people that have fought super hard and they're like, this is like a huge contribution. Um, then mm. I, I do think that that sways it a little bit more. Like we needed a statue somewhere that's like, here is honoring the sacrifice of all the sons of Aries in the rim. Yeah. I mean, as, as that feels like a, the, the pizza party <laughs> move. <laughs> okay. But, but, but Luke, here's the issue. And here's where the challenge in this lies. Darrow is like, yeah, we're going to try and come back eventually and free the low colors in the rim. But Mm -hmm. to Romulus, he's like, we'll leave you be. So he can't, Darrow can't explicitly be like, hey, we're coming back, guys. We're going to go back. Because in order to maintain that peace, there has to be an understanding that they're going to leave the rim at. And like, I'm sure they both know, like, Romulus and Darrow are both aware that given the opportunity, one of them is going to attack the other. Right. But like there is some semblance that they have a peace agreement. And if you say we're eventually coming back for y'all, it doesn't really work. Sure. That's fair. So do you think that maybe there's some responsibility on the part of like Athena, for example, mm. to frame this differently? or Or is there just like you know, this is just something that there's no solution for. I mean, I think that would help. I think it would certainly help if Athena acknowledged the, acknowledged the revolution that Darrow was able to kind of bring into the world and like acknowledge how much progress Darrow was able to make and has been able to make. Um, Especially, yeah, because if you acknowledge that progress, then you can say, and we were like a big part of it. Like we were essential to that. Yeah. And this is like, because, okay, yeah. The thing that Darrow did, I don't think it's enough credit. The society was around for like a millennium. It was like a thousand, like I think it was like a thousand years that the society has been around. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like 800, but yeah. yeah. It's, it's so long. And yeah, there have been like gold revolutions and the obsidians tried to have a revolution that didn't go anywhere but like darrow and virginia and everybody did it like they have their own 
government and it's been around for a decade like that is an incredible accomplishment that is something that like i don't know i feel like deserves some credit and if you give it the credit then you can take a little bit of credit too so long story short yes i think athena needs to frame it differently but what you said earlier about darrow's speech i think there is a little bit there that they can be pissed at him and it's something the reason i have to give this credit is it's something i've been complaining about since this trilogy started which is like why aren't they getting low colors on all of these planets to help them Mm -hmm. and like we like i said they really should have a propaganda campaign that's like look how much better it is when you don't have the golds doing this to you and so yeah i feel like from that perspective athena is right in being pissed because darrow didn't say how can we get the low colors to rise up in the rim and help us there was like we can't do this now we gotta focus yeah yeah i i the the whole thing about like i feel like they don't speak directly to the like general population of the low colors a ton um and and maybe that's something that we have for sure talked about like a decent amount. So, so maybe we don't have to like uh, go super far in detail, but I will say yeah. it, it doesn't feel like Pierce has a lot of respect for the average low color. <laughs> Cause like whenever we see just like a, a low color, they're like bought into whoever's propaganda they're on the side of. <laughs> right. I, it's very mixed. I guess, like, cause, cause, I mean, we, we see it sometimes, like, I don't know. I, I, I always go back to the first trilogy on like Darrow's speech on Phobos Mm -hmm. when he does essentially like what we're saying of like, when you talk to directly to the, Mm -hmm. to the low colors, they like rise up on, you know, behind you. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. I guess. I, pr- propaganda works is is maybe the the conclusion here <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know if that's a hot take but it seems to be effective it does um okay so so where we left off last time i think was when um they have been like collected by athena's group mm-hmm. right um and I have a couple notes on once we get to Europa. Okay. Yes. Yes. The first the first one. Uh, actually, my first two notes are just on Europa as a planet and the cities on there, generally. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, we have jump pads. Here. Yeah, I also have this note. Yep. This is awesome. No. Why is Europa the only one? No, Luke. No. You don't like it? Jump pads are awful. We hate jump pads. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tell me why. I don't... I was expecting you to be on my side here. Okay. Jump pads are like a fun Disneyland thing. They're not an effective means of public transportation. Are you talking about like energy efficiency or it's just not good? It's so... Okay. So, Luke... Let me explain what I what my understanding of these jump pads is. A jump pad mm. is a thing where you jump on it and the gravity is lower, so you can like jump up to a corresponding landing pad that's up like a level of the city. Oh, I took it as like like you want to go a couple blocks and there's a jump pad and it shoots you up and then like you go up and over like a couple blocks and land uh-huh okay on the same level but like much farther either way let's take either one of those as an option okay. okay um you have to land on the corresponding pad right right so hey don't let your kids near these things because if they don't jump at the right angle they're just gonna hit the ground okay i'm assuming there are safety precautions i'm assuming there's some 
some uh, whatever the handrail version for jump pads. I'm assuming that's there so that that's safe. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> um, the other issue is, Luke, you have to be able to jump to use them. Do you? How? You have to, like, get off the ground, right? I, but what if it just shoots you? Mm, okay. I feel like it would be weird to be like, okay, <laughs> the jump pad can shoot you 50 feet in the air, but you got to you gotta do the first one. You got to get it started. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. Um, and also, going back to the, my previous issue with it, Europa has lower gravity, I think. Is that right? So maybe it isn't as big of an issue if you're falling from a... It's still probably not great if you're falling from a really high distance, um, but it's probably not sure. as big of an issue. Um, hmm. Oh, here's an issue. P- two people go in the opposite direction. You're, you're, cut, you're doing all these, all these logistical things that I'm assuming that they've solved. Like, or do they have a stoplight? Do they have a stoplight on the these? jump pad that's like, oh, somebody's jumping right now. You can't go. No, they have a guy there. It's oh, like at the top of a water slide. Right. It's like, you course. can go. He's like, all right, cross you your go. arms. Plug your nose. <laughs> no, cross your legs. Okay. But okay. Look, assuming all the logistics are good and it works fine. Okay. Are you still against it or, or all your concerns are about that? I mean, no, it sounds incredible. It sounds so fun and you would never get me off of the jump pads. I would go there just to jump around the city on the jump pads. Uh, You could charge me 50 U.S. American dollars and I would would pay it to jump around on the jump pads. Yes. Um, But there can't. The logistics have to not work. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let me let me just say my quick last note on on Europa as a planet mm-hmm. uh the al- the islands here Ooh. sound awesome they sound just a, bu- just a bunch of just a bunch of little little small islands each with a cool different statue in a big i'm assuming very beautiful ocean yeah are there jump pads between the islands god i do hope so <laughs> i don't think there are but we gotta get them doesn't seem like it but yeah we do have to get them Ooh, that does pose a question of like what are the limits on these jump pads like you don't want to be up in the air for like minutes right i mean and that- I, I, if, if you're talking about like if i want to travel between a, a different place yeah Im- and I mean, imagine it's a 20 minute jump like you hit the jump pad and you're just in the air for 20 <laughs> minutes Twenty is long. Twenty is a long. That time. doesn't seem like fun anymore. <laughs> that twenty, I think, is too far. Um, but give me like two minutes. Ah, that feels like too long. Two is still long. <laughs> two is a long time. One minute max is is where I'm gonna cut the line. Okay, that seems right to me. So you've got a di- you've got a limit on how far you can take these things. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> you should have done, we should have done a Dan Dubs the math segment and set up a acceptable velocity, <laughs> but I think, I think it's too late. <laughs> it's, for that. It is too late. If only though, next time we'll do a Dan Dubs the math. Forgot about that sorry, segment. Sorry. Sorry. We missed this one. You guys, I know you're bummed. Um, <laughs> okay. My next note is on the extremely cool scene that i'm assuming you know what i'm talking about do you have anything before we get there yes i have one thing before we get there and then we can get to the extremely cool scene um this i think is kind of a theory actually okay i believe atlas has access to some kind of brainwashing technology okay i think they are able to commit people to their cause way too quickly for this to just be words that they're using. This is more than words. Uh, so, and my key example here is with Volga. Volga goes from like a sweetheart to J-level. Volga is ripping people's <laughs> hearts out. Right. This is in the span of, what? how long do you think that this takes? Four months, maybe? Uh, I think it's longer than that, but I, I think it's like, I think it's like eight months to a year was my guess. Okay. 
Okay. Eight months to a but, year but, since I mean, Volga went off to be with Psycho yeah, Fa. To, to, yes. Um, and in this time, she's cool with heart ripping out. I mean, I agree with you for sure. I, it's too much. It's too much for her to suddenly be like, yeah, I'm on board. And so there's got to be maybe now the psych spike, I think, is not it. I think it's something more subtle than that. Um, mm. You know, they're really into these biological weapons. Maybe there's like a little, a little, you know how cats have that, that parasite that lives in their poop. And if you get it, it makes you like slightly more inclined to like cats. Like toxo, <laughs> toxoplasmosis or I, something. I, I don't know this. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I thought everybody, just, I thought it was just everybody knew about it, but yeah 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 i think maybe they've developed something like this that's just like it makes you more susceptible to becoming j level okay um i mean i i don't disagree especially with volga um (laughs) lysander's not a good example because they also convince him very easily but i think he's very easily convincible yeah he's Um, he's got a weak mind but Okay, we also have to consider all of the people on Atlas's side. Like, every one of them right. is so committed to his vision. We haven't even really heard his vision. Like, what is his vision? Do you know? Right. I, I The know, society, like, something about the society. Back to, back to normal. <laughs> Business as usual. Yeah, yeah. Back to the office. <laughs> um... So, okay. I I agree with you on some level, but I think that Volga is the biggest example whereas the other ones, like for example, his like gorgons, mm-hmm. which are a lot of a lot of obsidians and grays yeah. essentially. Yeah. I can see them being convinced without like without something crazy. I think just the fervor, just like how it's so much, it's so much (laughs) and it's not really in their benefit. I don't know. I guess for Fa, it's in his benefit because he gets to have a nice island when he's done. But I think, I think Volga is my main piece of evidence here that the, the speed with which he turned J level was astonishing. Pretty, it's pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Um, not natural. That's not a natural J level. No. Not a natty J. No, if you she's will. been juiced for sure. She's juicing. That's true. Okay, and Lyria seems to be the antidote, at least oh. with enough time. Not a, not immediately. No, she still pulls those hearts out pretty quick. <laughs> pretty well. Maybe a little hesitation, but not as much as you might want. <laughs> not no. <laughs> um. Okay. Speaking speaking of this. Mm-hmm pulling the hearts out mm-hmm. for Volga. Um, I, I have a couple quick notes. Number one, I think one of... What separates Darrow from the rest is timing and showmanship. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. I think um, you got to have you got to have good presentation. Mm-hmm. We were and Dara's got it. We were so Dara's hyped. got it. This is the most hype <laughs> moment that we have read in a long time. Uh, comparing Darrow to just everybody else, he blows them out yeah. of the water. Hands down. Yeah. Incredible. He comes out of the fish. You got okay. Let me let me first off just say to to a point that you made last time, you gotta study Darrow. And and you gotta you gotta be ready. For the old hiding an animal's belly trick. <laughs> Happens all the time. He loves it. And, he does love it. And also, you're so predictable. You do this every time. Of course he's going to take right. advantage of it. <laughs> like clockwork. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, the, t- the timing of this, the presentation. Hmm. He does it. He gets out. As Volga is like getting to Lyria, which 
I'm going to I'm going to completely I'm going to keep the fourth wall up mm. and not acknowledge that this is Pierce setting the timing and I'm going to say that this is Darrow setting the timing. Of course. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal stuff. <laughs> True. The hype through the roof. Truly through the roof. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Also, okay. we're imagining this from our perspective. Imagine this from one of the obsidians that's there on the ground. You yes. have been following this big obsidian guy who's taking you on this weird murder quest that you're like, ah, I guess I'm kind of into it. I don't know. I miss Darrow. I miss Darrow now. <laughs> I want Darrow back. And then suddenly Darrow is like, I'm back and I'm challenging this idiot to a duel. Fight me. And you're like, oh, it's our boy. Right, right. I mean, okay, from so many different people's perspective, this spectacle is, like, incredible in different ways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The obsidians that followed Darrow what you, is what you just mentioned, right? The Askamani, <laughs> which which I think Darrow kind of is, like, talking about in the back of his mind as yeah. we're getting his perspective. He's saying that this is, like, a religious experience for them, right? Yeah. Which totally is. Like, <laughs> this has got to be insane. If you're an Askamani. <laughs> They've never seen anything like this ever. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is... People wouldn't believe you. Like, they go back to their uh, their Askamani children in the Kuiper Belt, and they're like, you will never believe what we saw. And no one does. The, sh- the shaman's heads are exploding during this. <laughs> yeah, the, the story... They have to tone the stories down, I imagine. They have to just like, right, no right. one's going to believe it happened like this. We have to make it seem more real. Right. Um, and then the last one is Lyria's perspective. <laughs> who we, who's the perspective that we get as the entrance is happening. Yes. Right? Yes. And I, oh, I, I love it so much. I love the way that uh, it gets written as like, obviously we know who is coming out oh, yeah. of the belly but it's the the name is not mentioned until i think the last line is something like and then darrow howls yeah. or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah, or like yeah, darrow yeah. like removes his helmet and howls and it's so great mm. um and then later when lyria is talking to volga and i think volga is like losing it a little bit she's like how the fuck did darrow do this <laughs> And Lyria's like, yeah, apparently he's a werewolf that shits nightmares or something like that. But I like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he's our werewolf. I love it. Yeah. Everything about that. Dar- We're back, I think. Yes. Darrow yes. is is back officially. This is my note. This is literally my note is this is the Darrow moment we have needed. This is it right here. <laughs> We did, so in this second trilogy, right, the, what came first? Was it Iron Gold was first? I believe so, yeah. Iron Gold was first. Then Dark Age. Then Dark Age. There is struggling in Iron Gold. We were really criticizing. And I was honestly not sure if Darrow was going to be back back until the end of the next book. Mm -hmm. But fully, I think, I think... (laughs) Uh, 100%, if not more, back. Wow, okay, you think this is it? <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're at final form. Okay, I'm into it. I, if, if the last book is just this, best, tril- best series of all time. <laughs> if the last book is just Darrow being back for a book, I'm into it. I'm into it all the way. Of course, yeah, yeah. And, and we haven't even really talked about how, how good he is at fighting oh now i mean of course he's the best it's darrow and he's back right it's darrow and he's back he's the best at fighting (laughs) um back and better than ever back and better than ever better than anyone has ever been don't even touch him don't even speak his name he's too good right there is something i do want to i do want to quibble about a little bit um pierce loves a gauntlet we've had several gauntlets that are kind of wild the like ship controlling one is a strange design um mm-hmm. i want to know who designed the heart ripping out gauntlet 
Because I think this is a, I don't think this is a repurposed job. Like this feels like a custom job to me. And you mean like this gauntlet is specifically, was specifically crafted to rip hearts out? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I and, agree. Yeah. And like, do you think, did they go to an orange and like ask like, hey, look, uh, I'm trying to make a gauntlet. And it's going to rip people's hearts out. So, And it needs to be able to rip hearts out from the size of like an apple to like a grapefruit. If that gives you any indication whose hearts we're going to be ripping out. Um, <laughs> we need much, the full range. Yeah, we need the full. Give us the gamut. Uh, give us the Supreme model, the deluxe. Who, did they go to, does this feel like an orange would do this on commish? Or would they like, did they get together and make it themselves? I, so I'm gonna lean towards the make it themselves move, not that it, not that like they couldn't get an orange to do this, but to me it doesn't seem super high tech. Mm. Okay, yeah, it's just like, I feel like it's just a little, <laughs> just a little spinny guy on each claw. Right. right. Well, it does have like a, little a little drill situation. Yes, and it does have like a spring-loaded feature though, because as soon as you grip the heart, it like mm. jerks it out of the chest. That's right. So it. But does... even that seems like not too hard. Yeah, just strap some springs on there, a little ratchet. Right, right. Could, it could even be manual, right? You just have you like have a to... little. You have a little lever that you that you turn. You gotta crank a... it. <laughs> You drop the heart off and then you have to crank it for five minutes. Like, hang on, guys. I just got to get the spring reset. <laughs> it's the part they cut out. <laughs> That's why it took so long to get to Lyria and what saved Dara's timing. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a, like a two-hour ordeal. They got like five minutes of cranking in between each heart rip. <laughs> Dara's sitting in the belly like, come on. we Let's move it. Let's move it along. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, that's what I lean towards. I, I'm actually surprised because like Fa especially seems like someone that like there would be a level of pride in not needing oh a like tool to do this. Right. Totally. So I, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit weirded out by the gauntlet, but you're right. They do love a gauntlet. Hmm. Everybody in this in this world loves a gauntlet. It's part of the issue, I think. I mean, who doesn't, to be fair? When was the last time you wore a gauntlet, Luke? I haven't yet. I, See? It's a, it's, real, it's a real issue for me. No, no. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> Overrated, okay, okay. Doesn't turn out, um, it doesn't turn out well for anybody in this book who has a gauntlet, Luke. Sure, it's, that's true. Um, except for the gauntlet at the, at the beginning that... Uh, that Atlas was using when he went and confronted Lysander. This is a callback, a very minor detail. <laughs> he has a gauntlet. It's like the gauntlet of the dictator or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. I do remember that's an, that's, that that's where, he, big one. where he's able to bring him back because he's got the power. Yeah, yeah you're right. Okay. Um, okay. So my last note on this section um other than just like the highlights that we've already talked about Mm -hmm. is so we get to the end of the confrontation with fa and big reveal that i think we already knew uh bold font not real (laughs) he's a phony (laughs) fake bold font Uh, come on we hated that we we loved i will say we loved the reveal where we saw the moment that the font gave out in front of everybody, and it's like, you freaking worm. You worm! <laughs> so yeah. we're back with Ragnar being being the sole owner of Bold Font. Mm-hmm. As is right, as should um, be. As should be, as is tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, I don't know. I think, that's, I think that's good. I mean, it's emblematic, right? It's emblematic of the fact that this guy's a total fraud. Right. Even the voice is right. fake. Through and through. Even the even the voice. I mean the metal jaw should have been a tip off. Like, hey, how I notice he has a metal jaw and it doesn't seem to do much. Why do you think he got that? Right. Okay. Man, 
we're we're deep in this so haven't gotten to the gotten to the end yet are you ready to move it move us along um yeah i want to move us along i'm not quite ready for the very end because i want to talk a little bit about the deal do you have anything before the deal the, the attempted the deal? deal between darrow and lysander yeah you mean yeah um i just want to say uh relatedly before they get to the deal when mm. they're on the way mm-hmm. um they're going down and they're like trying to decide what is the one thing that Lysander is will is like afraid to give up. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the people in this ship, Darrow, Cassius, Severo, Lirio, whoever, whoever Mm -hmm. are like, yeah. What's, what's like the last thing that he's willing to give up? Is it like a person, whatever, whatever. And Cassius, as he's going down and goes, his reputation, (laughs) like, Boom! Roasted. <laughs> um, I loved it. I loved it, uh, and it's very, it's very true, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Cassius did know him pretty well, just not that well. Okay. Anyway, before we get to this ending, though, with Cassius and Lysander. Okay, we're in this meeting: Darrow, Lysander, and Diomedes. Diomedes is like, look. We've all got a common enemy. How about we quit this fighting? Let's figure this out. We all want the good thing for the for humanity. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Darrow does a lot of work here where he's like, yes, I think we can make this work. And Lysander is like, no, there's no... Lysander doesn't say this, but he's like, I need time to think about it. I don't think it's going to work. And Darrow's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we could probably figure something out. I want to understand what kind of a compromise can you make with what Lysander's vision of the future is? Because Lysander wants, like, fascism. He wants the society to come back. Darrow wants not that. Right. So I'm trying to understand how you get a compromise. And, like, especially, like, how do you convince the low colors of this compromise how are you like hey look i know he's a loon and he's been trying to recreate the society for the past five years or so um we've made a deal to where we only have fascism on wednesdays and fridays and then the other days we get to do what we want how about that right so okay (laughs) there 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 can objectively be like no compromise for their like long-term goals right right like like darrow's and lysander's visions of like the i don't want to say society because that's means something else in this context but like of how the system is structured are just like so diametrically opposed that like if you try to meet in the middle you it's just like you can't. You right. can't, basically. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. I I feel like maybe Darrow is looking at it as like, yes, ultimately Lysander and I, or at least their factions, are going to be in conflict. But like, we can have a compromise for like the next step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so this is potentially temporary. This is like, yeah, we can work together for a little bit. But eventually, like, I will defeat Lysander in some way. Right. Because, like, in very simplified terms, Mm -hmm. what Diomedes is saying is essentially, like, it's going to be, like, Darrow and the Republic against the society headed by um, Atalantia. Right. Right. And... In the intermediary, I think both Darrow and Lysander want it to actually be Darrow versus Lysander. Yes. So I guess I guess that's the compromise that I that I view them as as going towards rather than like the ultimate like outcome between their actual conflict is not really a part of this negotiation. Mm, I see. I see. It didn't feel that way to me. Like, it felt like they were trying to make some kind of lasting governmental compromise. But I, I think Diomedes was. 
Okay, yeah, maybe this is this is the thing. I agree. I think Diomedes was like, hey, we can work this out, right? You guys are both good guys. Because I don't think Diomedes has really thought about what political environment he wants. Like, I think he's just like, stop fighting. Guys, I like you both. Stop yeah. fighting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, maybe Darrow and Lysander are both doing the calculation about this. That Yeah, that seems fair to me. Okay, because I'm just, I don't know what kind of a compromise you're going to make with this buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think Diomedes has a lot going for him, um, but he seems to be more focused on individual people rather than like incentive structures and like large scale government right things right. <laughs> um, but he's very cool. He is know? very cool. Good fighter. Very honest. <laughs> Known for it. <laughs> Known for it. Um, okay. Are you ready to get to uh, the final? Let's talk about the finale. So the first thing, <laughs> I guess chronologically, uh-huh. is Cassius and Lysander, which I have not written anything down. Okay. For. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, <sighs> I don't know. It's... It's very tough because, like, on the one hand, Mm -hmm. Cassius is dead, Mm. and I love Cassius. Everybody loves Cassius, except for Dan, Mm. apparently. Yeah. Um, So, obviously, super bummed about that. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, could you get a better death? No, no, no. I honestly, all of my wildest dreams came true when this scene happened, and that sounds bad for a main <laughs> character's death. Um, it worked for me on so many levels. Yes, <laughs> I think. Okay, so before we get to like the details, I think that this is my proof without actually having like looked at interviews or, or whatever of of Pierce. This is my proof that Cassius is his favorite character. Because this whole book is like an ode to Cassius and like yeah. his death. I feel like Pierce was just like, how can I make Cassius both the happiest he's ever been at his death and also have the best death? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, so yes, let's, let's break this down. I want to talk about specifically why I loved every, every part of this. Uh, okay. First, Cassius... Near the end, Cassius did, he was humanized in a way that I started to like him a lot more. Like, there were some genuine okay. moments where he was like, yeah, I know I'm kind of a a dandy, but, you know, we're bros. You you and me, Dara, <laughs> right. we're bros. Um, and there was some good redemption in there that I really appreciated. Uh, then he gets to kill Fear. He gets to kill Atlas. So good felt so right uh cool fight um and he gets his moment with lysander where there's like there's a chance where my worst fear was going to be realized where i was like "Uh uh-oh we're gonna get a redemption arc for lysander (laughs) and then lysander chooses to kill him in the worst way like that he's done before right and remember the I I was talking about the parallels between Cassius and Alexander. Yeah. He doesn't he pulls an Alexander on him again where he shoots him to death. Right. I mean so there's two there's two Alexander parallels here. One is with the with Atlas. Yes. Cuz he shoots Atlas like in a quick shot. Right? Oh, yes, yes. Um and then also he shoots Cassius in a little bit more prolonged way, but mm-hmm. but yeah. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh, and I love that we get to just unabashedly hate Lysander now. (laughs) I love that we get to just despise him because I've been waiting for it for the last two books. (laughs) Right. When, when I was like my first reaction after this, after finishing like this scene and the rest of the book was thinking about what we were going to talk about. And I was like, man, we are going to have to put a shot clock on Lysander but I actually don't think that we're going to have to because, like, you're right. It's just, like, we get to completely hate Lysander without, like, even 
even like needing to, I don't know, analyze it. Oh, right? the limiters off. I can just be like, fuck this guy. Yeah, the limiters <laughs> are completely off at this point, and I'm so here for it. Worth Cassius's death by far. No question <laughs> okay. it was worth okay. Cassius's death. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, this just the the some of the some of the like lines that Cassius has so touching, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think he does the my honor remains. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. um, he I think when he's saying who he is, like right before this, his he includes like brother of Darrow. Mm. Oh. Um, and then like later when other people are talking about him, Lyria talks about him very briefly. Uh, and then R-R-A, Aria, whatever, um, says something to Darrow about like, I don't know how happy he was when he died, essentially that, uh, tears for your boy. Mm. So yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, mm. okay. Rest in peace, Cassius. And I guess we, we did very much see a body. So yeah. Now, now. Pierce did shake it up on us at the end of the first trilogy because we saw bodies that weren't dead people, if you remember. Okay, I think I think this one is safe. Uh, Luke, there is one little piece, however, that throws a wrinkle in this. Do you remember, as soon as Lysander finishes, he realizes that there's an extra bullet in the gun? Yeah. What was that about? I don't know. He, he was like, there's another bullet in here. That's weird. I didn't remember that. And then nothing about it. And so I, my only two theories on that are <laughs> the Fear Knight's not dead. <laughs> and he didn't actually uh, shoot him in tough. the head. He didn't actually shoot that, him in the I'm head. Ref- I'm refusing on principle, Valen. And the other is like, <laughs> he he spared Cassius one shot. And as a result, he was able to live from it. I don't know. I don't know what that bullet's doing. <laughs> I So I didn't really notice it. So I, I would maybe have to go go back and reread it to to come up with theories but i'm i'm i've accepted i've accepted cassius's death uh i've gone through the stages wow that was quite i'm not willing to go back okay good there is no going back <laughs> all right let's move on let's move on then we're past it okay um do you do you have like specific notes on this i've got one on this, okay. can we talk about the deal, the like final peace agreement that they've made to form their alliance? Sure. Yeah. So okay. So to be clear, this is after Darrow has met with um, the like Moon Lords, and Lysander has bombed the Garter and stolen and stolen their yummy yummy trees. Yeah. And stolen their trees that are very expensive, apparently. For some reason, yeah. Um, so I want you to imagine for a second, Luke, you are a blue and uh, about two years ago, you were chilling in the Republic as a blue piloting ships. Maybe you ran the navigation systems on a big torch ship and you're kind of happy with your job. You're like, wow, I love this whole, I love this whole revolution thing. It's really working for me. I'm into it. And you're working on Mars and the obsidians are like hey we want you to teach us how to do ships too and you're like yeah i'm into that cool we got some equality going on i'll I'll teach you how to do ships and then the biggest obsidian you've ever seen is like psych you're a slave now and you're working on our ship and then for the next year and a half you witness just the most atrocious things happening with these obsidians and then that year passes, and Darrow comes back and says, hey, I do need you to navigate the Obsidian ship again. How, <laughs> how are you dealing with your new Obsidian co-workers? When, when they take the slave collar off you, and you're like, hey, no hard feelings, right? Uh, that was kind of a funny <laughs> prank. Uh, now, can you navigate us back home, please? <laughs> it's a big ass. What is that relationship like? How is HR going to fix this? Because because they are coworkers now, right? Ugh. Uh, it's very tough. It's very tough to say. 
Like, I'm sure we're having some some company-wide meetings that are meant to address the climate of violence and torture that has just occurred. Right. Because, like, the whole thing after, uh, like, Volga gets elected, essentially, right? And, mm-hmm. and Dara's making a big deal about making sure that, like, I don't know, they feel, like... I don't, I don't really respected. I don't, I don't know if that's quite the right word mm. is like Darrow needs them, I guess. Right. Oh, for sure. As like part of the army, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> we got to acknowledge that you guys were not great. No, no, um, there needs to be some, uh, restitution. It feels like, uh, it's so tough because, like, they do have a lot of power yeah, in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Darrow does need to, like, keep them relatively happy. <laughs> but also, <laughs> put yourself in I that mean, blue it, shoes. Like, Join blue shoes here. Look for those blues <laughs> clues. What are you doing? How are you going back uh, to work? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you are. Uh, yeah, unless you, <laughs> unless they just give you a big gun, unless they're like, hey, if they try that shit again, here's a big gun. We won't give them any guns for a while. I don't know. Just shoot them. You, you get to shoot one. Everybody gets to shoot. <laughs> In the leg. <laughs> you can use the gauntlet, but, <laughs> but for the leg. <laughs> right it's like when you would it's like when when you would do something wrong to your friend and offer for them to punch you to make up for it right like all right you can punch me once in the face and then we're even <laughs> that's that's the move that's all you can do uh i guess that's it yeah <laughs> i can't think of any other way i don't know i don't know i mean there's there's some point about like maybe Maybe they shouldn't have some way of like being forgiven before they have like like the Republic has won, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is some like this is maybe like some kind of cold calculus on strategy where like Darrow's like keeping the guilt up so that he can just like <laughs> throw their lives away when they're actually in the battle. <laughs> Right, they get no more complaints because of the bullshit holiday that they went on. You right. took all your vacation time. Sorry, you spent it on Europa. Hey, How was that? I, I know I know you were upset previously about me using you guys as like soldiers, uh, which still qualms with, by the way. <laughs> Let's get back to work, though. You went on a great vacation. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the... The low colors. They gotta be mad. You gotta be mad. That's all I can say. I hope they get good bennies. I hope they give them great bennies for working with the obsidians. Great bennies. Such good bennies. Um, okay. My last note is a shot at Lysander, which maybe is fitting. Um, when he's talking to Cicero, mm-hmm. um, Oh, baby cassius God. if you will yeah kind of this kind of broke my heart actually um i so i don't know if we're actually thinking of the same line necessarily yeah. but <laughs> lysander makes the justification that they're not the baddies yeah right because cicero's like i don't think there's anything super great about like bulldozing these trees that these like browns are sacrificing themselves for yeah <laughs> and lysander's like we feel bad about it, though. And as long as you feel bad about it, you're not a monster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's right, man. Uh-uh. <laughs> Lysander is... He's no different, right? He's the same old Lysander. It's just now everyone's like, oh, wait, you aren't actually good. I thought you might have been good. Right. You aren't good, but I'm stuck with you now. Yeah, it's tough. Cicero, it's I think, tough. is also kind of an idiot. Yeah, Cicero's an idiot, but I think he's going to turn. Uh, 
I agree. I don't know if it's going to be effective, though. He doesn't have many resources to rally around him. Yeah. <laughs> Other than emotional value. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I oh. Um. Okay. Okay, question, Luke. We've wrapped up these three books. Are we doing reviews or are we holding off? I would say hold off, honestly. Yeah, let's hold off until the next book comes out and then we'll do series-wide reviews, huh? Okay, that sounds good. Uh, Luke, next books? Yes, what yes. Are, next book. We've been, we've been on this series for a while and it's time to get to another series by another of our favorite authors. Um, we're, we're returning to old reliable Brandon Sanderson. Brando. Um, we're going to read his, I think... No, it's not his first book, but one of his most famous books, *Mistborn*, which we have somehow not done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get going on that series, starting *Mistborn* for next week. I think we're gonna do it in thirds. Yes, so that's the first book. I, I should say I should say *Mistborn* is the series. Obviously, we're doing the first book, which I think is *The Final Empire*. Yes, *The yeah. Final Empire*. Split that up into thirds. Take us back to a classic. Take us back to a Brando Santa. We've been eating. We've been eating a lot of dessert recently. We've just been. Mm, mm, give us those authors we like. Give us those ones we know. <laughs> That's right. I love it though. I'm having a great time. Hopefully, y'all are having a great time out there and in podcast land. And we'll see. We'll see you next week when we bring the hot takes and be the dumb nerds. Yeah.